welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for our next lesson in our series over the book of John. John is a powerful book that shows us who Jesus is. So we're calling this series, Who I Am. Through seven signs and seven powerful I Am statements, as well as through Jesus' life and death, we can see that Jesus is God. And as God, He offers eternal life to those who believe. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. John chapter 11. John chapter 11. So yeah, I didn't get a handout done. I, I, I got part of this PowerPoint done this morning. So it's going to be all over the place, but it'll be good. It'll be good. I actually, I got most of it done, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but John chapter 11, it's a really good one. I thought about, you know, I thought about doing something other than John uh, this morning just to like, because I didn't want to, I don't know. I just thought about doing something else because I was sick all week. But then I started looking at it. I'm like, man, it's, it's so good. And, you know, we've been going straight through it, so we got to do it. Uh, so today we're going to be looking at 46 verses, which is a lot of verses, but it's a lot of narrative and story, so it's going to go really, really quick. Um, but it's a most famous story, Lazarus, if you guys um, remember it at all. Most people do because it's very famous. But we're going to read seven verses to start with. And the thing I want you guys to think about is how you react when you don't understand um, things and and what you believe about God, okay? what you believe about Jesus. Because today we're going to meet three people, three groups of people, and then a fourth group of people that... We're not going to count them really, but there's three groups of people we're going to talk about, or three individuals, and these groups are individuals. All three of them believe in Jesus as the Messiah. All three of them believe in Jesus uh, as the Son of God, um, as the one who takes away the sin of the world. They all believe in a in a resurrection. They all believe that um, they're going to be one day with Jesus in what we'd call heaven. Okay, they all believe that, but all three of them. Jesus kind of gets on to him for saying, hey, you're not believing that I can raise Lazarus from the dead. Okay? And so it's just interesting, and I think we can learn from it because we can say, you know, I believe all these things about God, yes, but do I believe him to be this personal, powerful God that can change anything, can do anything, you know, and that can meet my needs or, or do these things that are in my life that I'm actually visually seeing? Because sometimes it's hard to, like, the theology with the practicality you know it's like yeah I know God is this but that means he can raise Lazarus from the dead and he can walk out the tomb okay so let's look at these first seven verses it kind of gives us a basic idea of what's kind of uh, going on here to, to start with hey verse one it says now there was a certain man who was sick Lazarus of Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother, Lazarus, was sick. So this guy named Lazarus was sick, brother of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, Lazarus. Lazarus. So the sisters sent word to him, him being Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now, Jesus loved Mary, or sorry, Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed then two days longer in the place where he was. 
Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to uh, Judea again. All right, let's pray really quick before we start. Dear God, we just come before you and thank you for this day you've given to us. Um, thank you for your word and thank you for this account, God, and just <coughs> that we can see how powerful Jesus is, um, that he is God, and <clears throat> just be reminded that it's not all theology, it's not all head knowledge, but uh, Jesus is a personal God who is empathetic towards his sheep and who um, does things and orchestrates things in our life so we can become closer uh, with you and so that we can become uh, men and women after your own heart. I uh, pray that that's what happens, and we love you, and we pray all this through Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so these first seven verses are kind of setting the stage here. There's a guy named Lazarus um, who gets sick, okay? He gets sick, and Mary and Martha, they send off to Jesus, and they say, Hey, Jesus, uh, our brother is sick, and he's this brother, the one who you love, is sick, right? And so uh, <clears throat> as we start this, we think Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and we think John, this is the first time we've seen him so far, right? But if you take the other Gospels, uh, like especially Luke 10, but even um, some of the other, like Matthew and Mark, where Mary washes Jesus, or not washes feet, anoints him and wipes him with his hair, with her hair, like all that's happened already. In Luke 10, it says that these people opened up their home to Jesus. So Jesus actually stayed with them. Okay, so there's a relationship, and we don't know how how far back exactly it goes because we only have the accounts of the gospels to show us these few little incidents but there's there's this relationship between jesus and his family like he's been in their home he stayed in their home um they've served him in certain areas you guys remember the story the luke 10 story it's where like mary and martha he jesus uh jesus is there mary and martha are there and martha's like cooking and cleaning you know and mary's sitting at his feet listening to him and there's that whole thing uh, so that's already happened at this point. A lot of things, have, a lot of exchanges and a lot of relationship has been built between Jesus and these people, okay? And so we don't see that all in John, but we do see it throughout the Gospels. And we don't, again, know how, how much it really was, like how close they really were. But it seems like they're very close, okay, especially by the verbiage, okay? Um, if you look down at verse uh, 3, look at verse 3, we can see by their language, by what they say, that they are close to him. First off, they, he's not near them. Remember, he's uh, a <clears throat> people have been wanting to kill Jesus, right? So he hasn't been in uh, the Judean area. He hasn't been like in Jerusalem, right? Because those people are are trying to kill him, um, and so he hasn't been in that area. And so they're near Jerusalem. They're they're in this place called Bethany. It's a couple miles from Jerusalem, and they send word to Jesus. Okay, so they know where he's at, or a clue, uh, they have an idea of where he's at. And I think that them sending word to him, just that alone shows that they're at least semi-close to him, right? Because, like, not everybody's going to know where he's at or how to get word to him. And even if they did, they may not feel comfortable enough sending for him. They may um, in dire need. But then look what they say. The message is, Lord, behold, him who you love is sick. They don't even say his name. They just say there's a message from Mary and Martha that says, he whom you love is sick. Okay, and that to me, that that kind of a message comes from somebody that you know, okay, and that you've been with. Because it doesn't even say, hey, there's this guy named Lazarus, and Lazarus is sick. It's like, no, they don't even say his name. They just say, hey, the one who you love is sick, meaning that Jesus loved him. And he does, and it says it later on. He'll say it um, again. 
Okay, but when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Okay, and what does that remind you guys of? Does that guys does that remind you of anything? Yeah, it does. It reminds me of the blind man too. It's the same thing. Okay, this this sickness does not lead to death, but there's God's going to be glorified. Okay, and um, this man wasn't born blind because his or his parents sinned, but that God may be glorified. Remember, that's what he said. And so it's very similar here. Um, and he says this to these people, and I don't know, <clears throat> I don't know if this is like a message that he's supposed to be sending back to Mary and Martha or not. Uh, but when we get down to it. It seems like maybe they didn't get this message, or maybe they did and they just didn't understand it very well, because he ends up dying, you know, not to like spoil the the whole story or anything, but he ends up dying, right? And uh, and they're like really they're kind of confused. So I don't know if they ever got this message or if he's just stating this in general to his disciples and the people standing there or what. Um, But this could have been like meant to say, hey, go tell Mary and Martha it's not going to end in death. Okay, but if it if it was, they didn't exactly get it right. Uh, the message bears probably. All right, so then verse five uh, makes a statement. It says, "Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus." So it it's, it says that at the outset, and the reason it says that is because of verse six, I think. Okay, Jesus loved them. Okay, so in verse six, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed there two days longer in the place where he was. Now. If you just read verse 6 without verse 4, verse 5, it, it doesn't really seem like an action of love, right? Because you get a message, Lazarus is sick, he's going to die, and uh, and he's like, okay, I'm going to stay here a couple more days, hang out for a while. You know, what is he doing? What is he even doing for those two days, right? We don't even know. Uh, but we know that he, <clears throat> and we're going to see, but all these other people, they don't see it yet, but we're going to see that he wants Lazarus to die. Okay, essentially, so that he can raise him from the dead. Okay, but Jesus does love them. Okay, he knows these people personally, and he loves them. Okay, and that's five is there for a reason. Verse five, it's there because the writer wants us to know, like Jesus loves these people. Okay, and we're gonna see his love for these people throughout. I, I there's some really cool things in here uh, that I saw the other day that, that show us his love, and it's um, it's pretty cool. So. Then verse 7, after this he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. So that's kind of like the intro, the build up. Okay, so the question to think about again, how do you react when you don't understand? How do you react when you don't understand? Again, we're going to be looking at three groups of people, and these groups of people are all believers. Okay, many times as believers even, we don't understand what God is doing. Okay, which these people don't. Okay, they don't get it. In the, the situations that they're in here, None of them get it, and they're set, there's, well, we'll look at it, okay? But they they still trust God. Um, they still trust God mostly through it, okay? Uh, but they don't believe that Jesus, I don't know, they just don't believe that he's going to raise them from the dead. You know, they just don't, they, they don't make that connection of, like, God, Jesus can do anything, and Jesus is like, he can do anything. And so that's why this uh, this sign is so important, okay? So, Jesus, let's go to Judea again. And who is he talking to there? That's the first group of people we're going to look at. It's the disciples. Okay? So he says, let's go to Judea again in verse 7. And the disciples who are standing there who are with him, they say to him, look at it. They say in verse 8, Rabbi, 
the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Okay, remember uh, where we ended last week? They're trying to kill him. They're trying to stone him. They had the rocks in their hands, right? So they're trying to stone you, and you're going there again? So the disciples are like, Jesus, you're going somewhere that people want to kill you. Like, we left there for a reason. Okay, and this, this tells me a couple of things. One, whenever Jesus stayed for two days longer, what did the disciples probably think? He's not going. And why do you think they thought he wasn't? What In their mind, what would they say? Why is he not going? Because they're trying to kill him. Why would I go back there if they're going to kill me? How am I going to set up my kingdom if they kill me? Right? I mean, that's those are some of the thoughts that those disciples might think. Like, hey, Jesus is the Messiah. He's coming to reign. He's going to set up his kingdom. How's he going to do that if they kill him? Okay? <laughs> Which is, you know... They're not quite grasping it all, probably, because uh, they don't have the Bible like we do. Um, it's not hindsight. But uh, that's probably what they're thinking. Ah, oh, he's not going to go. That's why he's, you know, he, we're still here. But then when he's like, all right, it's time to go, they're like, hey, God, Jesus, he, they're going to kill you. They're going to kill you. Okay, look, look at verse, um, that's what they say. Um, this is, this is uh, something I wanted to t- say, too. This endangers the disciples, not just Jesus. Okay, and we're going to see that in just a second. Okay, but when they say this, okay, they're they're kind of on the line too, because like they're his disciples, they're going with him. Okay, most likely. Okay, but they do, they end up going with him. So they're endangered, not just Jesus. Okay, all right. So look at it. Jesus answers them in verse nine. Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world or of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Okay, so Jesus uh, replies in kind of a a little bit of a riddle, but what does this remind you of? What? John 8, 12. What is John 8, 12? Okay, John 8, 12. I'm the light of the world. That's right. And... uh, Remember when Jesus said, we must work the works while it's still day? There's a couple lessons ago, because he's the light of the world in eight, right? Uh, that's kind of what this reminds me of, okay? And there's, there could be several things Jesus is saying here. He could be saying uh, the daytime is like the Father's will. You know, that's what some people think, like we have to walk in the Father's will. Uh, but I kind of, because of what he's, he's going to go do, okay, he's going to go do a sign that, Nobody does that. Okay, Jesus does that. He's the only one that can raise people from the dead, right? And it's only through his power. And because of that, I think he's saying that daytime is while he's here on earth. And he's saying, hey, listen, there's only so many, so much time when I'm going to be here on the earth. And with this time, I'm going to do my Father's will. And I'm going to perform these signs. And I'm here that so people can believe in me, essentially. And so we're going to go and we're going to do this because there's, there's a time coming when I'm not going to be here on the earth anymore. Okay? And I think that's kind of what he's getting at. Uh, he could be just talking about the will of the Father as well. But that's what he says. He says, hey, if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. Anyone uh, sees Because he sees the light of the world, but if anybody walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is lost. Okay? And he is the light of the world, as Jillian uh, pointed out. He is the light of the world, right? And so he is our light. He lights the way. Uh, for us and so uh, disciples are to continue to walk in the light obviously um, and Jesus ultimately is going to be safe 
because he is doing the will of the Father, and it's not his time yet, right, which we know. Okay, this reminds me, well, actually, let's read a little bit more, and then we'll, we'll go to this verse here. Okay, verse 11. Uh, he said this, and after that, he said to them, okay, now he talks a little bit more plain in verse 11. He says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. Now, what do the disciples think? That he's actually sleeping, okay? Because the disciples say, well, then, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he, he'll wake up or he'll recover, okay? And Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he was talking about him literally sleeping. That's what it says in verse 13. So, then Jesus said to them plainly, so he gets even more plain. He says, okay, listen, Lazarus is dead. Okay, and I'm glad for your sake that I was not there, so you may believe. But let us go up to him. Therefore Thomas, who is called Dynamis, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go so we may die with him. Okay, so Jesus has to get really plain. He like gets plainer and plainer. In verse 15 he says, Hey, listen, Lazarus is dead. Okay, Lazarus has died. And then he says this weird thing in verse 15. He says, I'm glad for your sake that I was not there, so you may believe. Let us go to him. Hey, do his disciples believe that he's a Messiah already? Yeah, they do. And they believe a lot of things about him, right? They believe that he's the son of man. Uh, and they, you know, they, a lot of them have already confessed it, like with their mouth, like specifically said, Jesus, you are the Messiah, and I know it. Um, and we've seen that. So he's not talking about a belief as in the Messiah here. But he's talking about a belief in Jesus' power to raise somebody from the dead. Okay, and so like, if you think about the link here, uh, before we get into this verse here, but if you think about the link, okay, they're worried about Jesus dying, right? They're worried about somebody killing him. Okay, they shouldn't be worried about that because he has he has power over death. He can just raise himself from the dead. But they don't get that. They don't understand that. But Jesus is about to show them that. He's about to show them that. He does have power over death, and he can raise somebody from the dead. Okay, so they're worried about death, but Jesus has power over death. And so I think that's where he's in verse 15 here. He's like, listen, you don't, you're don't, you not believing, you're not understanding who I really am. I mean, you do understand who I really am. Yeah. Weren't they, they just still believing even after he Lazarus? Because they, just, they believed he actually died, so they didn't think he would raise himself. Yeah, they didn't even, yeah, they didn't even understand that he could raise himself from the dead after he died, right? Right? They didn't they didn't understand it completely. And that's I think that's what Jesus is getting at is that listen, guys, I have the power over life and death. Okay? And they see it here and they still don't even believe it completely or completely understand it when he dies. Right? Okay? And again, that shows how um, as humans how easy it is for us to like not believe because it's like oh well Jesus he can raise other people from the dead but can he raise himself from the dead right um, oh he can make water into wine and heal blind people but can he raise somebody from the dead I mean you'll see it here with these other two people that we're going to look at in a second but they're like oh if you were here he wouldn't have died I mean we understand you have that kind of power and you have the complete power over somebody's health but man as soon as they're dead you're you know it's over Sorry, you know what I mean? They just, I don't know. It's just that's our human nature. It's like we, we only believe, you know, as much as we can up to that point or whatever. It's like, oh, well, he did that, so he must be able to do it, but he can't do any more than that, okay? So 
He says he's glad that Lazarus died for their sake. Look at verse 16. Thomas, okay, he says to the people or the rest of the disciples, he says, let us go again that we may die with him. Okay, and I love this statement because we talk about these disciples not understanding everything, not understanding that Jesus has power over uh, death and things like that. But man, they're ready to go die with him right here. Okay, and sometimes I don't think we like maybe grasp you know, how it would be to be in their shoes. But, like, they're going back to Jerusalem, essentially, or right around <coughs> Jerusalem, and the people of Jerusalem want to kill him and his disciples, or Jesus and his <coughs> disciples, I mean, essentially, right? And so they're willing to go with Jesus back to this place where people want to kill them. Okay, and to me, that stuck out because that's a big deal. And it for me, it's like, okay, would I have been willing to do that? Like, would I have been willing to go with Jesus to death? You know what I mean? Like, risk my own life to be with Jesus. And it made me think of this verse, too, for us today. Okay? Uh, maybe none of us are going to be dying, you know, in the next couple of weeks or whatever for our faith. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. We don't know. But it says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surround us, let us also... Lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us. Because a, <clears throat> a lot of times I think we don't lay aside the the sins or the things that get in our way from us following Jesus. Okay? Or us um, going after Jesus or pursuing Jesus, right? Because, I don't know. Like, that's a big deal to say, hey, I'm going, I'm going with you, Jesus. <laughs> whether you die or whether or not. Like, Thomas is like, let's go. We'll die with him. We're going to die with Jesus. And I just that's just a hard a hard truth, I think, for, for me. It's like, am I willing to die for Jesus? Because sometimes I don't even lay aside stupid stuff, like video games or, or uh, whatever. I don't know, lots of stuff. I can't think of anything off the top of my head for some reason. But there's tons of stuff that, like, I just, I get distracted with and, like, I let it interfere with my quiet time or I let it interfere with my relationship with God and how much like time I spend with him or there's stupid things that make me sin. I get angry at my kids or whatever. And like I let those things get to me and it's like, man, I could do so much better, you know, at following Jesus and at being like Jesus and like Christ. So anyway, that's kind of a side note to these guys, but these guys follow him. Okay, and then in verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. So the next person we're going to look at is this lady named or girl named Martha. Okay, um, let's read verse 17. All, I just read 17, but all the way through 27, and we're going to see what how she interacts with Jesus. And then we're going to see the Mary as well, but just look at the difference in these two because these are two very different girls. Okay. And Jesus meets each one uniquely, okay? And it's pretty cool. Okay, so he, he arrives. He's been in the tomb four days. Look at verse 18. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem about two miles off, about two miles away from Jerusalem. And many of the Jews had come uh, to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. And Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. Okay, why would she think, or why in that moment, why would her or Mary think that Jesus would be coming? Lazarus is dead. Because, well, yeah, but Lazarus is dead now. 
So he's, they probably think she, he's coming to like give his condolences. Right? And we'll see because they don't think he's going to raise him from the dead. So they're, they're probably like, oh, he's going to come and give us his condolences. Okay. okay, so Martha, therefore, when she'd heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know whatever you ask of God, uh, God will give to you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. Great statement of faith from Martha. Okay, so Martha has this exchange with Jesus. Now, where are they? They are not in Bethany. Okay, they are not in her house. She goes out to meet him. He hasn't come into the town yet. Okay, so they're out somewhere. Okay, and she goes out there and she meets uh, Jesus. Okay, and as she goes out there uh, to meet him, what does she say? First thing that she says. She says, if you, if you had been here, Lazarus would have died. Yeah, Jesus, if you have been here, Lazarus would not have died. Now, we can't see facial expressions or hear tones or anything like that. So we don't know if this is like, it doesn't seem to be angry. But there could be some anger in here. Okay. Uh, it could just be like sorrow. Like, Jesus, if you were here, my brother wouldn't be dead. Like, if you would have just been here two hours, or not two hours, two days, or whatever, however many days earlier, four days earlier, like, my brother would still be here with us. Okay. And that's like, that's got to be a hard thing. Okay. For her, because she knows that Lazarus could have been healed by Jesus, right? And she's friends with Jesus, okay? And Jesus didn't get there on time, and her brother died, okay? But she also knows that Jesus is God's son. So she knows that he does what's right. So she's got to be like, I don't know, if it, if it were me, I would be a little bit torn up, in, like torn in between everything because it's like, well, he's, he's doing right, but, like, is right letting my brother die? Like, when you could have saved him, Jesus? Like, I, I don't understand what's going on. But um, we don't know exactly where her emotions are at here. But we she, see she's a very practical person. Okay, as she says in verse 22, Even now I know whatever you ask of God, uh, God will give to you. Okay? God will give to you. Okay, and then Jesus says to her, Your brother will rise again. Now, I might... We all know that he is going to rise again like in a few hours or whatever, right? Uh, but he's also going to rise again, okay, one day, right? There's going to be a resurrection, and, and Martha knows that, okay? And I think that Jesus is kind of meeting Martha where she's at here because we're going to see in a second Mary's interaction with Jesus is completely different. Like it's just like totally opposite um, interaction, okay, which is interesting that it's interesting that Jesus meets Martha with logic because Martha seems like a very logical person. And when you're a logical person, you need facts, and those facts can comfort you, right? And so what would comfort Martha more than Jesus making, reassuring her that 
Lazarus is going to rise again. Right? Lazarus is going to rise again. Okay? And what does she say? She says, I know. I know he's going to rise again. Okay? On that last day, I know he's going to rise again. And Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me uh, will live even if he dies. And guess what that I am is there, right there? Ego e me. Okay? <laughs> Emphasis on I. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And that's a huge <laughs> statement. And he's about to show it, too. He's about to show that he has power over death and he can raise. Okay? Jesus is saying, or, well, he's, he's saying that he is the resurrection and life. Uh, which combats two thoughts that we give ourselves live or we can resurrect ourselves. I know we don't think about that like in that way, which is good. But uh, we can't, you know, we can't gain life uh, through the things that we do or the things that we say or whatever. Um, it's just belief. And so look at, think about that as you read, as I read 25 and 26 again. He says, I am the resurrection of life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die do you believe this? So he says, Martha, do you believe? And she says to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, um, even he who comes into the world. Okay, and so she believes him, but at this point, she does not believe that he's going to, he hasn't told her plainly either, okay, but she doesn't believe that he's going to raise him, she doesn't believe that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, like right now. Okay, and we'll see that later on when he says, open the tomb. And she says, hey, it's going to stink, okay, which also shows that she's very practical. Okay, she's like, it's going to stink. It's been four days. Okay, and uh, he says, well, didn't I tell you I'm going to raise him from the dead? Okay, and so um, very practical. Um, this verse, I think, uh, goes along with really Mary and Martha, but this is Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Okay? Again, they know that Jesus is... She, she has this great statement of faith. I know that you're... Uh, or I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God who comes into the world. Like, she has this great statement of faith, and she believes all that. But, like, practically, when it's right in front of her, she's not even thinking about him raising her brother from the dead. Like, she's not even thinking about him having that power. Does that make sense? Like, it's just not even clicking in her mind. And so, I think we need to remember that God can do more than we can ever think, more than we can ever imagine. Because sometimes, again, in our lives, we might think, oh, well, you know, I know God can do that, but, you know, is he really going to, I don't know, can he really do that? Like, and when it boils down to, like, something practical in our lives, we need to make sure that we remember that he can. Okay, the final person we're going to look at is Mary. All right, this is verses 28 through 35, okay? And Mary is not very practical. She seems to be very emotional, okay? But Jesus' response to her is completely different, even though her uh, response to him is the same. Well, kind of in the same. All right, verse 28, she says, or it says, when she had said this, she went away and called Mary her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and calling for you. And when she had heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still there in the place where Martha met him. Okay, so he's in this other place where Martha met him. Okay, then the Jews who were with her in the house and had been consoling her, 
When they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him, and she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She says the exact same thing Martha does. Okay, the exact same thing. Okay? When Jesus, therefore, saw her weeping, okay, so there's the difference right there. She says it, and she immediately just starts bawling. Okay, she's, she's, just, she's weeping. Okay, so when Jesus sees her weeping, and the Jews came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit, and he was troubled. And he said, where, did you, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Okay, <clears throat> now, the reaction is different between Mary and Martha, right? They say the same thing to Jesus, but then what does Jesus do with Mary? He weeps. He just starts crying. He starts crying. Okay, he's weeping with her. Okay, now Martha, Martha was able to make an exchange with Jesus, right? She exchanged different thoughts and different things, and she's very logical, and I think she probably needed that. But what did Mary need? She needed somebody to weep with her, and Jesus did. Okay, Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Okay, there are a lot of reasons why pe- people get like, there's so People just get into like, why did Jesus weep in verse 35? Why did Jesus weep? Why did he weep? They're all wondering that question. Okay, but I think it's because he's empathetic. Okay, because does he know that he's going to raise Lazarus back? Okay, does that alleviate right now the pain that Mary is in? Not right now, right? Because she doesn't even understand that. Okay, and it doesn't alleviate the pain. Okay, there are three main reasons why people think that Jesus would weep. One, because he had to bring Lazarus back. Okay, now the reason they say that is because they say, Jesus is weeping because Lazarus has it so much better when he's dead than when he's alive. And so bringing him back into a sinful world would make Jesus weep. Okay, so it's, a, it's logical thinking. I don't, I don't like that view necessarily. I don't think that's right. Second one, I think this does play into it a little bit. Sin is the reason that he was weeping. Okay, What it does to the world, the fact that there has to be death, that all comes from sin. So seeing the pain of these people um, could make him weep because sin did it. Okay, Now, usually when people state that one, though, they say, I think that is true to a degree, but usually when people state that, they say, well, it couldn't have been empathy for people because he was going to raise them from the dead. So it can't be empathy. So it has to be because of sin in general. I don't agree with that. Okay, Jesus is an empathetic God. He knows his, his sheep. He knows Martha. He knows Mary. I think he reacted to them differently based on who they were. And I think he is empathetic. I think he, when he weeps, he's weeping with them. He's not weeping thinking of a theological thing. Okay, He's weeping seeing these people right in front of him weeping. And he, he knows their pain. He can feel for them. And because of that, he has this empathy, and he is and he is weeping. I truly believe that's why he's weeping. I think it shows the personalness of Jesus, which we've been talking about, and John has been showing that he Jesus knows his sheep. Okay, he knows his sheep, and so sees Mary. Okay, Mary, <clears throat> she doesn't Mary, Martha. Neither one of them believe that Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead right now. Okay, they just they just they're just not even really grasping it. Okay, they're not even really grasping it yet. Okay, 
uh, but he reacts differently to both of those, and I think that's important to see. Okay, look at verse uh, 36. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. But some of them were saying, could not this man have opened the eyes of the blind? Who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man also from dying? So these other people, okay, this is the last group we're going to look at before the sign. Okay, they're, and we'll look at it a little bit after too, but they're like, this guy, he's weeping because he loved him and he's gone. Or he's weeping because he could have opened his eyes, but he didn't and now he's dead. Or not open you guys. He could have uh, healed him, you know, and he didn't, and now he's dead, right? And so I think that's the two, the two groups of people or the things that people are saying. They're like, hey, the, Jesus is crying. He could have saved this guy, and he didn't, you know, or Jesus is crying because look how much he loved him, and he's gone. Okay, they're, the crowd's definitely not, they're not even thinking at all about him raising Lazarus from the dead, okay, like he's about to. Spoiler alert. I've been spoiling the alert if you guys haven't read John 11 the whole time. All right, verse 38. So Jesus, again, being deeply moved. Okay, It says he was deeply moved twice. It says that he was weeping. Okay, So he's deeply moved. Okay, Deeply moved within. He came to the tomb where the cave, uh, where it was now a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Okay, So there's a stone there. And Jesus says, remove the stone. And again, the practical person says what? It's going to stink, Jesus. Okay, Martha says, Martha, uh, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there's going to be a stench, for he's been in dead for four days. Okay, so she's practical. And again, this shows she's not really thinking about him raising him right now. <coughs> she says, it's going to stink, Jesus. And Jesus said, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. And then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. Okay, this prayer is interesting. It's kind of funny because he he prays and he's like, God, I thank you that you hear me. Not that I think you don't hear me ever. I understand that, God. I understand that completely. But these people, they don't understand it. I want them to believe. So I'm making sure that they know this is from you. Okay, so he's like doing an out loud prayer for the benefit of the people around him, kind of. It's kind of interesting, I think. Okay. The prayer is biblical. What? The teaching prayer is biblical. The teaching prayer, teaching through his prayer. Exactly. I like it. I like it. So he says this prayer out loud. He's like, hey, these people, they need to know that this is from you. Verse 43. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Okay, now, imagine if you were Mary or Martha. At this point, okay, because as onlookers who've never met Lazarus, it's pretty cool that he raised him from the dead. But remember, Mary and Martha are his are his sisters, okay. And he says, "Roll away the tomb or the the tomb, the rock thing in from in front of the tomb." Like it's get, it's gonna stink, okay. But in your back of your mind, this is Jesus, okay. So you know that he can do crazy things, right? And so as, it, as they unroll that big rock or whatever, they're standing there thinking, what in the world is he doing? Okay, and then he prays this prayer, and you're like, okay, what is he doing? And then he says, he, he yells in there, Lazarus, come forth. Okay, would your heart not skip a beat if, like, Jesus yells into the tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth? Like, man, my, is he, what's he doing? What's he doing? 
I would be too. But it's my brother, right? So I'd be like, man, is he going to raise? Is he going to raise him from the dead? What's going to happen? Okay. And the man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot in wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with cloth. And Jesus said to him, Unbind him and let him go. Okay. So he raises Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus comes walking out, okay, with linen wrapped around him. Okay. And Jesus is like, hey, cut him loose. Somebody cut him loose. Okay. He probably had to say that because they're probably all like, and he's like, hey, somebody cut that guy loose. Okay. Uh, but he raised him from the dead. And this, this sign, okay, this sign shows his power over death. Okay. Like nothing else other than his resurrection later on. Okay. But this shows his power over death. Okay. While he's still on earth. And this sign, really gets people hating him even more. And they want to kill him because a bunch of people believe because of the sign. Look at it. Therefore, many Jews who had came to Mary uh, and saw what he had done believed in him. Okay, And throughout the years, it says in another place that people were believing because of this sign. Okay, They saw it or they heard about it and they believed uh, that he was the Messiah based on this sign. Okay, But in verse 46, some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. So some of them still did not believe. I get that from the contrast, but. Okay, some believed, but some didn't. Um, but they went to the Pharisees, and they, they basically tattletold on them. They're trying, maybe trying to get in good with the Pharisees or something. I don't know. Uh, but they didn't believe, and they told the Pharisees. And then we'll see next week that the conspiracy to kill Jesus continues. They continue to try and kill him because of uh, this and the other signs that he did. So... Wrapping it up, okay, wrapping it up uh, for this week. <clears throat> this is, the, this is a, the greatest sign other than his own resurrection that we see today. I see a lot of things in here. One, I see that Jesus is empathetic towards his sheep. He cares about his sheep. Okay, a- again, the fact that he weeps knowing that he's going to raise Lazarus, I think shows his empathy even more because it's like he doesn't just care about the future. Like, sometimes I think Jesus is going to care only about my future. Like, he cares about my future. He cares about what's going to happen to me after I die and that kind of thing. But does he care about me right now? And Jesus cared that Mary and Martha right then were hurting. Like, in that moment. Even though he knew a couple hours later, they would be, like, so ecstatic because their brother was raised from the dead. He still cared about them in that little moment. In those few moments before that, he cared about them enough to cry with them. Okay, so I think that the fact that he weeps in verse 35 shows his empathy even more. So Jesus knows you, he knows his sheep, okay, and he's empathetic towards you. Um, so we know that about him, we know he has a power, <coughs> excuse me, over death, okay. But for us, what do we do? Okay, we need to believe that God can work practically in our lives, okay, because again, Mary, Martha, the disciples, they all believed Jesus was a Messiah. They all believed he was the Son of God. They all believed these, these theological things about Jesus, right? But none of them got it, and none of them understood that he was practically going to do something for them in that moment. Like, none of them understood that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. None of them did, okay? And I don't know if it's because they didn't think he had the power or because they just didn't look at him as, I don't know. I don't know why they didn't. I don't know why they didn't get it. We probably wouldn't have either. Okay? But Jesus isn't just this God that is far away, 
that just does big things for big people at big times. Okay, he's a personal God who cares about each and every single one of us. Okay, and he does personal things for us. Okay, I'm not saying he's some sort of genie that you rub and get wishes from, but he does care about us and he does work in our lives personally on a personal level. Let's see if I can say personal a few more times before we end. Okay, so for us, I think we trust God and trust that trust Jesus that he can do far more abundantly more than we can ever ask or think of him. Well, that's all for True to the Bible podcast this time. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you did, or if you want to listen to some other lessons on True to the Bible podcast, make sure that you subscribe or like this podcast. If you have any questions about anything that you heard or you're interested in how you can be saved, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Again, thanks for joining us for this lesson, and we hope to hear from you soon.